Bokatov, good morning. Welcome everyone to our Aliyah day. Very glad to be with you this morning. The fifth day of the week. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. I'm glad you're here. Uh, all of you who are listening, listening from across the fruited plain, you're watching on uh, YouTube live here. Or perhaps you are listening to the podcast. Either way, glad you're here. Thank you for joining us, joining me as we're studying the, uh, the Torah here and learning and growing our from God's help uh, in His insights. Hashem's Holy Torah. We are in Matot Masei. This is the final two Aliyot. Or excuse me, not Aliyot, I'm sorry. The final two Parashot of the book of Bamidbar. And so we've been sharing lots of insights and have so much more to share and glean, and it's going to be wonderful. Then we have uh, the, the Shabbat table sparks that I've been working on. Those should be published uh, soon, maybe today. Uh, but anyway, we're going to be on uh, page 909 of the Art School Humash, if you happen to have the Art School Humash. Page 909, we were in the book of Numbers, the book of Bamidbar, chapter 31. And we're going to begin reading in verse 42, the fifth aliyah of Parsha Matot. So let's read, and then we will get into our insights today. So this begins by saying, From the half of the children of Israel that Moshe had divided from the men of the legions, the half of the assembly was... Of the flock, 337,500, and the cattle, 36,000. So we're here still talking about the division of spoils. And the donkeys, 30,500, and the human beings, 16,000. Moses took from the half of the children of Israel the one drawn from the 50, from the people, the animals, and gave them to the Levites, the guardians of the charge of... Uh, of Adonai's tabernacle, as Adonai had commanded Moses. Verse 48. The commanders of the thousands and the legions, the officers of the thousands, the officers of one hundred, approached Moses, and they said to Moses, Your servants took a census of the men of war under our command, and not a man of us was missing. There was no casualties. We went to war, fought this battle against Midian, we got back, we realized nobody was missing. Nobody had been captured, nobody had been killed. So it says, we've brought an offering for Adonai, each man what he found, a gold vessel, anklet or bracelet, ring, earrings, clasped, to atone for our souls before Adonai. Moses and Eliezer the Kohen took the gold from them, every fashioned vessel, uh, all the gold that was raised up, when they, uh, which they set apart for Adonai, was 16,750 shekel from the officers of the thousands, the officers of the hundreds. And as for the men of the legion, each man looted for himself. Moses and Eliezer, the Kohen, took the gold from the officers and the thousands and the hundreds and brought it to the tent of meeting, a remembrance for the children of Adonai before, uh, the children of Israel, rather, before Adonai. Now, I just want to switch over and read the fifth Aliyah. I'm going to read the fifth Aliyah from the uh, Parasha Masay which is going to be found on page, uh, where is it, page uh, 927. It's going to begin reading in the 35th chapter of the book of Numbers. This is the fifth aliyah for Parsha Masay, 
because we have a double portion. So here is that reading. Adonai spoke to Moshe. It's about cities of refuge. Adonai spoke to Moses in the plain of Moab by the Jordan at Jericho, saying, Command the children of Israel that they shall give to the Levites from the heritage of their possessions cities for dwelling and open space for the cities all around them shall you give to the Levites. The, the cities shall be theirs for dwellings, and their open space shall be for their animals, for their wealth, and for their needs. The open spaces of the city that you shall give to the Levites from the wall of the city outward a thousand cubits all around. You shall measure from outside the city on the eastern side two thousand cubits, on the southern side two thousand cubits, and on the western side two thousand cubits, and on the northern side two thousand cubits, with the city in the middle. This shall be for them the open spaces of the city. The cities that you shall give to the Levites, the six cities of refuge that you shall provide for a killer to flee there. And in addition to them, you shall give 42 cities. All the cities that you shall give to the Levites, 48 cities, them their open spaces. The cities that you shall give from the possessions of the children of Israel, from the many you shall increase, and for the few you shall decrease each according to his inheritance, that they shall inherit and, and, he, and shall he give of the cities to the Levites. So that was the uh, fifth aliyah of both of our uh, uh, shalt today. So let's begin our discussion of the insights. I'm going to begin with Pituke Hotam because this is a very, very interesting uh, Discussion here, we didn't get a chance to get to it yesterday because we've just got so much all the time. There's so much to talk about. But anyway, here we are, Pituke Hotan, to Parashah Matot. Um, just want to read a few things that he has to say here because it's very, very enlightening. Talking about the power of speech. We've been on this topic of... Um, of uh, sorry, I got a piece of hair there. Sorry. Um, we've been on the topic of... Um, the vowels and using our words properly and building our character. We're about to enter into very soon the 40 days of Juva, so this is a great time to reflect on this topic and how we can be people of proper speech. The things that the thing that separates man from beast is our ability to communicate. Which by the way, we should always remember to thank God every day for our eyesight, for our hearing our sense of smell, our sense of taste, the ability to communicate, the ability to, to think, to have rational thought, um, to have proper memory. All these things we take for granted, very often we take them for granted, and yet they are extremely valuable. Um, and, and we should just be thankful to God that we have uh, those faculties about us. But anyway, this is to uh, Bamidbar 30, 2 through 3. Moses spoke to the heads of the tribes of the Is children of Israel, saying, This is the thing that Adonai has commanded. If a man takes a vow to Adonai or swears an oath to establish a prohibition upon himself, he shall not desecrate his word. According to whatever comes out of his mouth shall he do. So Pituke Hotam, it writes here, We can derive many insights from here, but it's not the place to elaborate. What we can say, however, is that everything good is hidden in our Holy Torah. Man's main function and rectification in the world depends on that which emanates from his mouth. First of all, 
It is true that everything is hidden in the Torah. Why? Because everything that was made was made with the Torah. So it makes sense that every secret lies within the Torah. It's not just a book of law, but it's, it holds divine secrets. You know, we're praying, and I pray that you are praying, for our local city here, Saginaw, praying that Shem should find holy sparks, that he should bring them to the synagogue, bring them into Lebed Judaism. But, but the question is why? Why do we want this? Is it because we're trying to grow our synagogue? Well, I suppose there's always that human aspect of it. Anybody wants to build our community, you know, grow our family. There's always that human aspect of it, and we, it's not a shame to deny that. But the, the actual motive must be more pure. What? Why? Because we want people to be able to experience Shabbat in their home. We want them to be able to experience Yom Tov in their home. We want them to be able to experience uh, the purity of the religion of the Messiah. We want them to be able to connect to God. And the way in which we connect to God is through His Torah. We want them to be able to have these insights. That's the real motive. So please join me in praying for Saginaw. I just have it on my heart to do so. Anyway. So it says, man's, man's main function and rectification in the world depends on that which emanates from his mouth. Our mouth gets us into a lot of trouble. And it can also produce a lot of good. As it says here, Shlomo HaMelech, that is King Solomon said, all man's toil is for his mouth. Kohelet 6-7. This is why that the book of Proverbs speaks about the fact that a wise man is somebody who doesn't say a whole lot. Keeps his opinions to himself. Keeps his words to himself. So it says the words of Torah and prayer that a person pronounces with his lips creates worlds above. When a person contemplates this and removes himself from any physicality, he will clearly understand that the most important thing is whatever emanates from his mouth. The lofty words that are spiritual and that are his life energy. So again, we, I've spoken in the past about the fact that this idea has been abused in certain other religious circles. This speak things into existence concept and it's a it's a shame because it has for those people who got caught up in that mess that was uh mid 80s through up and through the uh late 90s early 2000s even turned a lot of people off because it was used it was abused to uh, manipulate people and, and so on. You, I don't have to get into all the bad things that happen, y'all. Some of you who know what I'm talking about know, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, then good. Good. But the point being is that it is a reality. The, we do have the ability to speak things into existence. That is a, a fact. And we can speak positively and we can, we can speak things. It's not necessarily prophesying. You're not saying, I prophesy this. But you're speaking it in a positive way into existence. We have that ability. That is a Torah reality. I just read the commentary just a second ago about it. 
But the things that we speak into existence have to be, or have to conform, I should say, to God's Word. So I just said that we're praying that people should become holy sparks here in our city. And therefore, we can declare that many, many families are going to come in and many lives are going to be touched. And people from Saginaw, which is not a big city, it's a suburb of Fort Worth, but I'm believing God for Saginaw. Now listen, obviously, I want people from everywhere. My heart desires that people should come into this movement from all over Texas, all over Dallas-Fort Worth, all over Pensacola and Mobile, all over New York, or as my Sephardic friends say, Nueva York. Or all over Houston and, and, and Tulsa, Oklahoma. There's a synagogue, a Lapid synagogue about to open up in Tulsa. My uh, wife and I will be there on the 24th of August for the grand opening. If you're in the Tulsa area, if you're watching from Tulsa, join us. Uh, but anyway, I want people from everywhere. I could name every city in America. But the flagship of Lapid Judaism is right here in Saginaw, so we're praying for people. And we can speak into existence, they're coming. Why? Because it's God's will. It's God's will that they should know about the Shabbat. It's God's will that they should light candles on Friday night. It's God's will that they should have kosher homes. It's God's will that the men should wrap feeling. It's God's will they should wear tzitzit. This is God's will we're talking about. So anyway, when we, when we understand this, when we understand that we have the power to create with our words... Just like God created. Did He not create with His words? Of course He did. It says, Barah, He spoke things into being. When we understand that, then we have to understand that it's our, 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 our mouth is like a firearm. We don't just pull the trigger when we have it in our pocket or we randomly in a, just pulling the trigger. We have to be careful about what we're saying. So it says man's life energy is the breath that comes out of his mouth and nose. And in this regard, there is no difference between man and the, and the animals. The power of speech, however, is unique to man. This is proof that man is greater and more spiritual than the animals, as the power of speech is comparable to the power found in the heavens above. <coughs> Each word that issues from the person's mouth rises up, attaches itself to the spiritual root and the upper worlds, and rectifies them. Again, this is all related to the fact that it's talking here about vows and that whatever comes out of our mouth we should do, etc. So it says the opposite is also true. God forbid man can also destroy worlds through his speech. Our sages, in fact, say that Lashon Hara is equal to idolatry, Forbidden relations and bloodshed. Those are the three worst sins. And according to Arokin 15b in the Talmud, the sages say that when we speak evil speech, we are committing the three most wicked sins. Idolatry, adultery, and murder. That's what's going on here. That's, it's, it's, there's a reason why the Apostle James, Yaakov, wrote about evil speech in his letter. It's because he was Jewish, and he was a Pharisee, and he agreed with the sages. He was practically a sage himself. 
And he said, it's, it's a difficult thing. We have to really, really watch what we say. So it says, if the Shanhara does not cause damage in the upper worlds, why would it be viewed so strictly? Thus we see the speech can either destroy worlds or rectify them. We can either destroy with our mouth or we can build up with our mouth. So it says here, you know the, the old childhood uh, thing, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That is, that is one of those childhood nursery rhymes. It's an absolute lie. It, it, it ranks up there with don't judge a book by its cover. Those are, I don't know who thought of those. I don't understand. They're, they're completely, in fact, words can actually sometimes very often hurt more than sticks and stones. If somebody hits you with a stick and causes a bruise on your arm, it's going to hurt, it's going to sting. The bruise will be there for a few days, but eventually it will go away and the pain stops nearly immediately. But very often words spoken, negative words spoken into your life can haunt you for decades and cause pain for years and years and years. So the idea that sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me is an absolute lie. And the fact that we teach our children that is unfortunate. Now I understand part of the nursery reminds to teach our children not to let words hurt you, but that it's not helpful. If you're, an, if, you, if you're an adult and you've lived life for five minutes, you know what I'm talking about. So this is a really great insight here. As we know, it says here, according to the Zohar, volume, uh, what is this? Volume 4, 191a. This is what B2K Hotam brings down. The, she, the Shekinah, now the Shekinah is the Ruach HaKodesh. The Shekinah, which is, by the way, Holy Spirit. The Shekinah is called Devar, thing or word. Now, this is powerful, y'all. There's my Texan coming out. Who is Mashiach? What does it say in Yochanan 1? It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was what? With God, and the Word was what? With, was God, and the Word became flesh. And so we say the Mashiach was the Word of God, which is the Torah of God, same thing. But according to the Zohar, the Word of God is also the Spirit of God. The Shekinah of God. And so the Shekinah of God, the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, the Holy Torah became flesh. We talk about the Mashiach. Is He divine? Is He not divine? I, I can't articulate enough how utterly ridiculous that question is. And the people that say, and I'm not trying to be... I don't... Look, let me just not say it. Let me just say, let your brain work for you. God gave you a brain for a reason. He gave you the gift of logic. Beautiful gift. He gave you the ability to, to take two and add it to two and come up with four every time. You can put one, two on top of the other two and then flip them around and it's still four. 
And so therefore, if the Mashiach is the Word of God made flesh, and if the Word is the Torah, and if the Word is also the Shekinah, the Holy Spirit, do the math. So let me start over. As we know, Zohar, Volume 4, 191a. By the way, if the Mashiach's not divine, then what do we... Well, we'd have to... You have to change a lot of stuff. I digress. Anyway, as we know, Zohar, Volume 4, 191a, the Shekinah is called Devar, thing or word, because all the words of the king are articulated through it. So why is the Shekinah called the word? Because God uses the Shekinah, the Holy Spirit, that is his voice. Which makes sense. This is why, oh my gosh, this is so good. This is why the shofar is the voice of God. Because the shofar is just dead flesh. It's like me and you. It's just a horn. It's a piece of dead flesh. What makes the horn talk, quote unquote, is breath being blown through it. That's the ruach. So therefore it is the, the ruach of God is the voice of God. Why? Because, or the shofar rather is the voice of God. Why? Because it's the ruach speaking through it. So it says, uh, As the Shekinah is called word, it is man's speech on earth that rectifies it or ruins it. Therefore we must be extremely cautious with our words. In other words, our words can rectify or degrade the Ruach of God. Now, why is that the case? Well, on a mystical level, well, not, not, or on a deep level, I should say, not necessarily just mystical, but on a deep level, um, the Ruach of God is what gave us life to begin with. We live, we're a living being. Why? Because God breathed His life into us. So we have to guard our, our words, not just because it's a big sin to commit, commit Lashon Hara, not because we just want to create life and not death, but we also don't want our words to weaken, as it were, the Ruach of God. We want our words to empower, so to speak, the Ruach of God. That's what it's saying here. He said, well, how can we weaken God and all this kind of stuff? Well, I, look, these are, this is the way God operates in the world. He operates in the world in such a way that he, he, he I, I, don't, I, I don't know how to phrase it exactly. I don't want to say he limits himself because he, he doesn't, but it's almost as if he limits himself to work with us. I guess he has that much faith in us. He believes in us. But anyway... One other thing here I want to share from a, well, a couple of things. Anyway, it says here, regarding this, this concept, David Hamilak warned, who is the man who desires life, who loves days of seeing good? This is from Psalm 34, by the way, which is a wonderful psalm. Who is the man who desires life, who, who, who loves the days of seeing good? Do you love the days of seeing good? <laughs> Do you want life? You know, uh, anyway, it says, you guard your tongue. Who is the man who desires life? The one who guards his tongue. That's where the Hafez Haim got his nickname. 
from this psalm. Because he read this and he had a revelation about evil speech. And so he became known as the Hafez Chaim, the one who guards his life, right? Based on this, and he began to teach about Lashon Hara. And Shemesh HaLashon, guarding the tongue. And it's not easy. And listen, anybody who's, who's studied this and attempted to practice it, it is not easy. It is so much easier to be negative. It's so much easier to, to say hateful things to people. Right? And to make fun of people that you, with whom you disagree. All those kinds of things. So it says, another comment, the life you are seeking depends on you. The life you are seeking depends on you. Successful people, it's been my experience, okay, that successful people are never negative, defeatist people. Successful people are never people who have the attitude or vocalize, it can't be done, it can't happen, this isn't going to work. Those are never successful people. Successful people have the, the um, stereotypical can-do attitude. They have the can-do words. They have the can-do speech. They, have, they speak things into existence. One of, my, one of my favorite sayings, I've said this before, uh, if you've watched the Aliyah before, but one of my favorite sayings, I did not make it up. I just I, I, I took it as my own. Is it when people, the people who say it cannot be done are very often interrupted by those who are doing it. That, I love that. My second favorite one is that courage is not the absence of fear, it's moving forward in the presence of fear. I love those things. I love those sayings. They're so valid. So the life that you're seeking depends on you. It says here, when you carefully guard your tongue, then the life energy as expressed through your holy speech awakens the life energy in the upper worlds where the power of speech is rooted. In this way, a person attains holiness. We have to, we have to, we have to connect our words with God's word, which of course is why it's such a great idea to to speak scripture, to, um, to uh, uh, speak the word of God. That's always a, a, a great thing. To make declarations based on the word of God. We can't go wrong with that, that's for sure. So just a couple more insights here. It says, um, I just want to hi highlight this line. Just, I'll, just, I'll read it to you, you'll, you'll know why. It says, as we mention... The, the word tov, says, as we mentioned, the word tov, that is good, refers to the Shekinah. So here we have another, int another interesting insight where the word good itself refers um, to, to the very Spirit of God. Just reminds me of when Yeshua said, uh, why do you call me good? There's only one good. He's he's just, it's an interesting play on words there about the Shekinah. 
So another uh, statement that says, unfortunately, the sin of improper speech has been rampant throughout the generations with the people speaking endless lies and deceitful words. Boy, isn't that true in our own day and age? It says, many people take vows and do not fulfill them. They swear falsely or in vain or are guilty of other types of sinful speech. This matter requires protective measures and words of rebuke so that people will listen and mend their ways. The community leaders need to constantly warn people, he says, about improper speech and tell them that it damages the Shekinah and it only serves to prolong our exile. End of our Aliyah today. I want to thank you for joining me. We have, as we always do, so many more insights, and so may Hashem help us to get to those in due time. Until then, have a wonderful, blessed, and fantastic day. With God's help, we'll see everybody tomorrow to conclude our Aliyah. Remember that tomorrow begins the nine days of Av, where our, uh, our, our mourning for the, the, second, the first and second temple and our prayer for the coming of the Mashiach and the rebuilding of the third temple increases. And so I'm going to be publishing some things on our Facebook page today to remind everybody of, of uh, what that looks like and the things that we need to be um, cognizant of in these nine days. So bless you. Hashem give you a great and wonderful day. And we will see everybody with God's help tomorrow. Shalom and blessings.